This year, composer Andrew List reached out to the OI Publications Office to ask permission to use translations from one of our SAOC series volumes, that's Studies in Oriental Civilizations. It was volume 37, The Book of the Dead, or Going Forth by Day, translated by Thomas George Allen. Thomas George Allen began his career at the OI as a student of Egyptology under founder James Henry Breasted. He would later become the editorial secretary in charge of OI Publications. Allen's translation of The Book of the Dead, aimed at a general audience, published posthumously in 1974, provided a much-needed update of the earlier translations by E. A. Wallace Budge. Where Budge had used one papyrus in his translation, Allen used multiple sources, resulting in a new volume that was much more accurate. While scholars like Allen set out to make a faithful translation of the ancient texts, contemporary artists often use texts, images, and themes from the ancient world more liberally. I don't think something from the past wants something from the present to be a mimic. When you're inspired by something, you don't have to be literal. Welcome to the OI Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Townsend, and uh, I thought it had to be a host. It had to be a host. It must have been scary for people. Welcome to the OI Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Townsend, and in this series, Contemporary Artists, Ancient Voices, we talk to artists about the work that they created that's inspired by the ancient world. And I think it's always interesting to see how people process the stuff from that they find at the OI and, and uh, work it into their own artworks. Uh, so earlier in January, Andrew List, who is a composer at the Berklee School of Music in Boston, reached out to us and he had a unique request. He wanted to use the uh, text from the Book of the Dead or Going Forth by Day uh, in a musical composition, which is not something that we usually we, we usually hear. So five months later, here we are with Andrew List to speak about some of his compositions. Uh, one of them is the Temple of Dendera from the heart of Ra, and there's an upcoming piece that he's done that incorporates elements from the Book of the Dead that he requested uh, to use from publications. So, Andrew, thank you for joining us, and I'm excited to hear uh, some selections that you have prepared for us today. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be here and to talk about the ancient world and how it can be such a great inspiration, has been a great inspiration for me and for the public as well. Listening to these pieces, Andrew, I'm struck by how evocative they are. My music is kind of like taking people on a journey. I want to bring you back to the ancient time. I want you to experience what the ancients experienced. And when you hear the words, hopefully I did it in a very musical and kind of expressive way that puts you in a little mini trance in a positive way of, you know, like becoming becoming a guinea fowl, becoming an, a hawk, and what's that like? And the spirit is soaring. So it, the words are very, very um, expressive and very picturesque.
you filter it through modern day, your modern day experience. You know, the harmonies and chords and things that I use are definitely not the harmonies and chords. They didn't have the viola. They didn't have the piano. You know, they didn't have, they had singers for definite. But it's all just part of one's, it's like, you know, a creative license to be able to make the music sound the way the pieces inspired. You spoke to me earlier about a recent trip you took to Egypt, and I can completely imagine how seeing the temples and the landscape would inspire you as they've inspired artists for centuries. Seeing the Temple of Luxor, which is absolutely massive. I mean, when they built these temples, and we're not talking about small churches, the whole idea was is they built these things to last forever. And you can still, you see the wonderful, wonderful hieroglyphs and if you look up, there's still paint and the whole things were painted. Now, a lot of the paint is worn off after three or 4,000 years, but everything was painted. Uh, the Temple of Saqqara, which was one of the most magical places. Going to the tombs, Valley of the Kings was very, very inspirational. And I felt like I was walking on hollow ground. That's how I felt. Before we listen to more of your music and step onto that hallowed ground, I want to talk a little bit about the piece that you're currently working on, the Going Forth by Day. Uh, and in it, you use texts from the Book of the Dead that were translated from Thomas George Allen. This is part of a four-part series of works inspired by ancient Egypt that I've written. And this is the culminating one. It's actually for countertenor, which is a very high voice, mm -hmm. viola and piano. And it's a kind of a song cycle based on texts from the Book of the Dead. It's there are eight songs that last around, it's almost finished, around 20 minutes. And... Um, using these different texts to kind of create uh, a, a magical world of the underworld and what people would, the, what the soul would experience and bring it to life for modern day, the modern day listener. The Book of the Dead is a really big volume. I used eight texts, but they're very interesting, very colorful. One of them is called A Spell for Breathing Air. O Atu, mayest thou give me thy refreshing breath that is in thy nose. It is I who occupy the great seat at the midst of Hermopolis. I have guarded the egg of the great honker. If it flourishes, I flourish. If it lives, I live. If it breathes air, I breathe air. Beautiful. So, I mean, you know, I get chills when I read that. Yeah. Because, you know, and we have a joke around the house of the egg of the great honker, right? So are the the are the texts mainly inspirations for composition? Or yes, I mean, the text, it's, it's more, you know, like the lyrics. But the thing is, these are spells that are supposed to be read by the departed. And most, I did a ton of research, a ton of research trying to find it. And Richard Bruce Parkinson, who is an amazing Egyptologist from Oxford, he's the one that, helped me and guided me. I got all of his books. I read many, many other readings that he recommended. And finally, we got to the Book of the Dead. And he's the one that suggested I use the Thomas George Allen, um, uh, which is supposed to be the ultimate, the best translation. And that's why I reached out to the Oriental Institute. So, you know, I mean, think of it more like, you know, you're not read. It's like going into a kind of you open the door, you sit in a concert hall, and you get transported back 
letting the music transport you back. And it also can be entertainment. I can't tell people what to feel and think mm-hmm. and hear. But to hear the great words and these ancient words that hardly anybody has ever read or heard. Remember, this, these words were not for human, you know, humans didn't read these things. The departed soul would read them. One of the things that inspired me a lot, I'm a bird watcher and I love birds, but uh, there's a lot of things about assuming forms of a swallow. You know, one of those, I am a swallow. I am a swallow. I am young scorpion, daughter of Ra. Oh gods, how fragrant is your odor, the flame that ascended from the horizon. When you hear these words or read them aloud in English, does it in any way factor into the rhythms of the compositions you create? Oh yeah. Do you ever feel like something gets lost in translation? We, we have to let go of the idea that we're going to set them in ancient Egyptian. First of all, there are probably very few people in the world who really can speak it fluently and have the right rhythm. And, you know, what, what a word meant 500 years ago can have a different inflection or a different meaning now. Look at the word gay, for example. Look at the word, I mean, in just the way people used language and how English or any language has evolved. You know, medieval French is very, is quite different than French of today. You know, I'm not an expert at that, but I know the things are different. So anyway, of course, the rhythm of the words has a lot to do with the way you would set a poem. I mean, if I was setting poetry, when I, I did a bird song cycle with this amazing poet, Mary Pennard, and she wrote 12 poems for me. She actually wrote 20 poems on birds and we did a whole cycle of birds with poetry and music and called On the Wing. Well, anyway, I use the rhythm of the words. I use the imagery. I mean, it's all the imagery. It's, you know, what the words bring you. So that's why it's so important to get the right text. As I combed through the Book of the Dead, I had to really find something that spoke to me. And then if the poetry is not poetic, and sometimes it's a little bit more like a spell or a little bit more like a hymn to the gods. That doesn't always inspire. It doesn't always mm-hmm. inspire me. You know, so I need things about scorpions. I need things about becoming a lapwing. I am passed by the king's house. It is a lapwing that brought me there. You know, hail to thee who has flown to the sky, who illuminates the sun. So now we're hailing the gods and the crowns and everything, but the lapwing that brought me there. Your earlier pieces don't have any text. They don't have any vocalist. Um, When I listen to the Temple of Dendera, I'm brought into a place in my mind where I'm imagining, you know, the the temple uh, in the the tones of your music. Uh, Were the pieces, when you made them, were they more inspired by images or your travels? One of the things that fascinated me, just to start off, was that, that there was actually a real Egyptian zodiac. And in the Temple of Dendera, it's this huge... Uh, it's this huge round disc that has the Egyptian gods. It was from the 50 BC, so they knew exactly when it was because of the position of the stars, and a lot of astronomy is based on this. We heard some pieces from the Temple of Dendera earlier, and I want to play some of these for our listeners. Uh, These 12 etudes are all inspired by uh, the Dendera zodiac, and as I understand it, each one of these pieces is a character portrait of an Egyptian god. I really got into the personalities of the gods. I did a lot of study and I wanted to kind of um, really bring their personality and their energy forth. There's a kind of a, a little bit of a pattern that goes with it. There's a holy trinity or a holy family, which is Isis, Osiris, one of the underworld gods, and their son Horus, who is the living pharaoh. So that makes a group. There are two underworld gods. There's Anubis, who is the god that... 
uh, god of mummification. And there's Sphinx. And then there's, interesting, the Hathor. The Dendera is the temple of Hathor. What I consider the goddess of love, I think I just went into my magical place. number of these pieces were written in Paris. I was listening to the bells of Notre Dame, this large, this low F sharp bell and the notes kind of got in a lot of bells and bell sounds are in this. I'm really struck by that image of being in Paris and hearing those bells. It really transports you to ancient Egypt. Uh, when I, when I, you know, when I hear Elman Rye, I can, I can kind of hear those bells in the fabric of the music that you've made. Sekhmet, which we played earlier, uh, and something like Wajet are filled with uh, jazz-like rhythm, and they're very different from the tracks of Amun-Ra and Hathor. So when we were talking earlier, you said that it wasn't just the ancient gods that inspired you to make these unique etudes, but that you had some inspiration from your personal life as well. Each one of these pieces is dedicated to a personal friend or people that I care about. So it was a chance to make something a piece and the dedications are on the top of each. The idea was that, that they're all so different and they all offer something. The different gods will give you kind of what you need. I mean, I really like the uh, the cobra goddess is uh, Wajet. Wajet. This one's dedicated to my brother because he loves reptiles and snakes and stuff like that. Thank you. 
J.S. Bach wrote a piece called The Goldberg Variations. This Dendera piece is also inspired by the, the Goldbergs. The person who commissioned the piece, he plays the Goldbergs really, really well. And it's so the idea is, is their motives, they're actually motives and some music from the Goldberg Variations that's been kind of interdispersed in my piece. Isis uses the motive. It's da 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 da. That's Goldberg, and mine goes da 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 da. Some kind of thing. So there are motives of the Goldberg variations, which is one of my favorite pieces in that. So then it's not only going from you know three thousand years ago, but then backing up you know three hundred and fifty years ago, and now. Heart of Ra for viola and piano is at the end of that piece, I actually use ancient Egyptian uh, scales. What they did was is they found instruments in the tombs. And when they blew on the instruments or they restrung the harps and lyres and things like that, they could see what the scales were. And the scales have nothing to do with the Arabic sounding music that you hear in Egypt today. 
Interesting. It's, it's, a, it's closer to what the Greeks were doing, closer to a, a more, it's a much more, um, as we would call a modal sound and more like Dorian and modal. So I was able to incorporate those scales. This is also like a fantasy recreation. You have to think of it as a fantasy recreation. By the way, music in antiquities is basically an oral tradition, not a written down tradition. There are no manuscripts. There are no, as far as I know, I mean, we do have some from ancient Greece uh, snippets, but basically it was an oral tradition. So uh, it's up to the, you know, it's up to the creativity and the inspiration of the person and the creativity and inspiration of the listener. The listener plays just an important role as the person who creates the music. I mean, this music is for people. It's for us to bridge, using as a kind of bridge to the ancient world. Do you think there's any responsibility to talk to the audience and say, this, you know, this is a fantasy recreation? Do you ever preface uh, your work saying that? Or what are your thoughts on that? Well... You know, people are inspired by nature. I can write a piece about a mountain. I don't have to be the mountain. True. I don't have to go to the mountain. I don't have to climb Mount Everest to make, you know, I can see visuals. I can read what people say. I can watch movies. I can, you know, part of, part of the creation and creating has to do with inspiration and, you know, tapping into the love energy of the universe, tapping into something bigger than yourself that kind of feeds you. I mean, when I write music, I often feel like I'm being given the ideas. You know, I do my research, I show up for my job, but when things are going well, it's like I'm hearing what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel mm -hmm. one with it. And I feel in some way that tapping into this, the antiquities, whoever the great artists of thousands, you know, 5,000 years ago, Saqqara, this or that, they're here with me. Is there anything that connects these three pieces that we've been talking about? I mean, other than their obvious influences? Well, very interesting that you asked that because there's actually a thread that goes through all three pieces. And it's the thread, the first piece that I wrote was the Dendera Etudes. And in one of the Etudes, Shu, I created my own ancient Egyptian melody. 
I was, and um, it's almost like I feel like I channeled this melody. I don't know if it's a true Egyptian melody or not, but it's a tune that's played on the inside of the strings of the piano. And I tried to, I have a small rubber mallet that you drop on the strings and it sounds like, it sounds like something from another world, really it does. And interestingly enough, I use that same melody in the raw piece from the Heart of Ra for viola, and I used it also in the Going Forth by Day piece. So the thread of this ancient melody that kind of haunts me, it, and I did it in a way that really was, I felt was inspired. I didn't, I never would insert something in just to do it, but it felt natural to do it. So there's, in all three of those pieces, is that ancient melody that I feel was given to me, or at least I recreated it in my own mind. I feel honored that I was able to find just the right text and have a nice collaboration with, you know, with uh, OI and also making the piece. So I'm just about ready. We're going to hopefully we're going to have the premiere of this piece in um, in Boston in the fall. And we're going to make a video and we're going to have recordings and hopefully we can travel the piece around to museums, galleries. And you could really kind of step out of your contemporary life for a second, which is not a bad thing, especially with the way things are now, and come into the world of the ancients, which is really the world of humanity. Just because something lasted long ago doesn't mean it isn't part of what's happening today. It's still on the thread of humanity. Well, for those of us who have to wait, can you tell us where uh, we can find your music now? Well, you can definitely find my music on my website, andrewlist.com. You can listen to some of the Dendera etudes there. And if you go to my Spotify page, just Google Andrew List, you can listen to From the Heart of Ra. The whole piece is right there. If you just put in for Andrew List from the Heart of Ra, that'll come up. Andrew List from the Temple of Dendera. Or you can just go into my pages. You'll see it. And you can listen to all of the different gods and see if you can, you know, you can live vicariously. You can go to Egypt through the music. Thank you for talking to us today and sharing your music and uh, inspiring us with this journey for all of us to take into this musical realm of the ancients. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. For over 100 years, the OI has been a leading research center for the study of ancient Middle Eastern civilizations. 
Join us in uncovering the past and learn about the beginnings of our lives as humans together. Become a member by visiting oi.uchicago.edu slash member.